Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Today we are continuing our series called The Art of War, and um, we're in part three of the armor of God that we're walking through, and I would encourage you, there's cards like this one in the lobby that you can take and invite your friends, uh, invite coworkers, and invite them to be part of this series because in some ways, it seems a little bit mundane, but really, I feel like this is a foundational series for us this year that can help us start right and help us do what God has called us to do. Um, because the truth is, we are all under attack uh, in the spiritual realm. And we've talked about this before, but our enemies aren't, um, aren't people around us. They're not our bosses. It's not people in the other political party. It's not people of different ethnicities. Our enemy is... Satan, and he is out to get you, and he wants to undermine you. He wants to steal your victory. He wants to steal your joy. He, he wants to take away everything you value in this life. And the good news is God has not left us defenseless. He's given us armor by which we can defend ourselves, by which we can stand against the schemes of the enemy. And so that we're just walking through this systematically together, and we're going to pick it up uh, or continue today in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And this is what Paul says to the Ephesian church. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, put it, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, we've been walking through this together, uh, piece by piece. So if you've missed any part, I would encourage you to go back and get caught up because there is real application here for you in, in, as we're talking about the armor of God uh, for your everyday lives. And today we're going to pick up in Ephesians 6.15 and it says, and as, for sho- or as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Uh, if you've got a, a different interpretation, I usually read from the ESV, the English Standard Version, but if you have a different interpretation, uh, like the King James uh, or, or some other versions, they say something like this, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I love the way it says your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It sounds so fancy. Um, but the word shod there, the Greek word, uh, it, it means to bind or to underbind. And what it's really talking about is the way that, that Romans and Greek culture, they would, uh, they would bind up their feet with the right kinds of shoes, especially soldiers. They would bind up their feet for, for, uh, for battle. And it's kind of fashionable, or I think it was fashionable. It might not be anymore. The girls would wear these sandals that they were called gladiator sandals. Did anybody, had you seen those? And they wrap like all the way up to like their knee. Like they don't just tie them like a regular person, but like they wrap them and wrap them and wrap them and they go all the way up. And, and this is similar to what a Roman soldier literally did. They would, they would fasten their sandals, but then they were wrapped in such a way that their feet were covered and they would wrap the binding around their legs so that their feet were secure. Their shoes were securely fastened to their feet. And on the bottom of their shoes, what we see that was very common with Roman soldiers, two things. Number one um, was at the, on the bottom of their shoe 
What, what we would call cleats today is what they had. They would have spikes or they would have nails that were coming out of the base of their shoe to help them have improved traction. They would have them uh, help them stand um, when it was difficult to stand. Uh, so that was part of their armor. But what we also see is that they had greaves, and greaves were basically uh, shin guards, uh, but they were attached to the, the boot themselves, and they would come up to almost their knee. And the greaves were made of copper, and it just helped secure their legs because if something happened and they lost their footing or if they fell or if they were injured, uh, they could not move forward. They couldn't advance. Uh, they couldn't even hold their ground. So it was important for their legs to be protected uh, in these ways. And we're going to walk through this verse together. We'll come back to shoes in just a moment. But when we look at this passage, it says, As for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So when we look at the word readiness, it's the, the Greek word is hetoimasia. And hetoimasia, uh, it, it has two meanings. It means the act of getting ready, and then it means uh, secondarily, and I think this is the application we see here, the, the, the context we see here, is that it, it really means the, the state of being prepared, the state of being ready. Because uh, there's a diff big difference between getting ready and being ready. Does anybody know that? I've got three, three women in my home, two teenage women, and there's a big difference between being ready and getting ready. Uh, my daughters sometimes will tell me they're ready, but really what they are saying is, I'm getting ready, but I'm getting ready fast, is what they, but it doesn't matter. We leave the house at 7 a.m. to take the girls to school and drop them off there early. They like to get there early, and so um, at 7 a.m., I'm standing by the door a lot of times, or I'm in the car and I'm waiting, and very rarely do we ever have both girls in the car at the same time ready to go. It's always one of them is taking a little longer than the other. I slept late. I didn't hear my alarm clock, whatever it is, and I will text them and go, are you ready? Yeah, I'm coming out the door now, and that's code for I'm not ready, but I'm going to finish getting ready in the car. So I've had girls, my girls walking out to the car in different states of unreadiness, like putting on shoes, like barefooted in the winter, you know, their makeup's not on, whatever it is, and they are finishing getting ready. But this is what this passage is trying to help us understand. Um, as believers, we're in a battle, and our preparedness level can't be getting ready, it has to be ready. Because when the battle comes, we can't go, no, 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 I'm almost ready, I'm almost ready, hold on, hold on, hold on. We have to be ready for the, the confrontation to come our way. So we have to be ready. So when it says here, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, what it means is that we live in a state of preparedness for the battle that the enemy is going to bring our way. Because the enemy is going to bring a battle. We have to be ready for it. Now it says, by the gospel of peace, and this is a little bit of a misnomer, and I want you to understand this. Um, we see several times in Scripture this phrase, gospel of peace, used. And the gospel of Jesus is a gospel of peace. Um, but there is no peace outside of the gospel of Jesus. So when it says a gospel of peace, what it's really saying is a gospel that, that brings peace. Or a peace that comes from the gospel. Because in our lives, there is no place to find peace except from the gospel. So when we talk about the gospel, just... And if, if you've been around church long enough, you've heard this word gospel. Uh, for us, let me just establish a working definition for today. What is the gospel? The gospel is who Jesus is and what Jesus has done or what he does. That is the gospel. So when we talk about our church, one of the things I love about what, what's happening here is we see lives changed. We see people walk through the doors. They meet with a Jesus that they never met before, and he changes everything. Um, 
And, and so I love being able to have conversations with people. And I had a conversation with a woman not long ago, and she found out I was the pastor of the church. And she said, oh, my goodness, my, I've got some family that goes to your church. And I said, oh, really? Who's that? And she, she named her niece. And she said, I can't even believe the difference in her since she started coming to your church. And I said, oh, really? She said, yeah. You know, and this is how she used to be, and now she's like this. And, and she would say, man, your church has been made all the difference. It's, uh, thank you so much for what you do. And, and I said, well, I appreciate that. But what I wanted to tell the lady is our church didn't make the difference. What makes the difference in people's lives is not our church. It's the gospel that makes a difference. Jesus just happens to use our church as a means by transmitting the gospel. Does that make sense to anybody? Because church attendance doesn't change your life. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes your life. Who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, that's what changes us. And so we get too much of the credit sometimes. Oh, your sermons are changing me. No, no, no. The gospel, the, the, the things that God is sharing through me, that's what's changing you. I'm not changing you. The gospel is changing you. Does that make sense? And so what we have to understand is the gospel is what brings peace to our lives. And so when we look at the word peace, um, the, the Greek or Roman understanding of peace is very similar to what we would understand today. The, the, Greek, or the Greek word for peace is irene, and irene means what we would expect it to mean, basically a lack of conflict. So if you've got kids in your home, you understand this. Uh, you get home from a long day of work, and you sit down, and your kids are going berserk, and you think, all I want is some peace and quiet. I can't even hear myself think, right? If you're a mom, you stay at home with your kids every day, and you can't wait for your husband to get home, so you can go, hey, can you, can you take the kids for five minutes? Like, I need five minutes of just some me time. And what you're trying to say is, I just need some peace and quiet, right? And that's what we think of. If there's no conflict, if there's no noise in our lives, that's what peace is. And this was kind of the Roman idea of peace, just a lack of conflict. There's no fighting going on. Um, and, and Paul approaches this in such a way that he was, he was Roman citizen, so he understood uh, the ins and outs of what it meant to be a Roman. He was a proud Roman, as, as most Romans were. But he also was raised in, with a Jewish heritage. So he was raised in a Hebrew home. So he had these, these two kind of competing ideas about the way the world should be and the way the world looked. And, and the, the idea of peace was no different. So the Roman idea of peace is lack of conflict. The Hebrew idea of peace is very different. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And shalom doesn't mean lack of conflict. Um, if you look at the textbook definition for shalom, the Hebrew word for peace, it, is, um, it means completion or whole or more, more specifically, lacking nothing. That's what peace is. And if you, you might struggle with that idea, but think about it this way. Um, if you have tension and stress and conflict in your life, it means something is lacking. Um, if you've got stress with someone at work and there's, there's contention between you, there's something lacking there. There's, maybe you're lacking understanding, you're lacking wisdom. Um, in your life, there might be stress because your finances. You go, man, we don't have, we got too much month left at the end of my paycheck. Does that make sense to anybody? I got too many bills, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, and you have this tension, this stress, and that tension and stress is regarding your lack of finances. Maybe in your relationship with your spouse, uh, there's a lack of intimacy, there's a lack of closeness, whatever it is, and there's tension because of that. So many times in our lives, the tension and stress we feel is directly related to the lack of something in our lives. And what I'm telling you today is the peace that we understand in the Hebrew view the peace that we have where we lack nothing can only be found in one place, and that's in Jesus Christ. Because 
the pay raise at work is not going to bring completion or wholeness to my life. I'm still going to be lacking something. There's always going to be a bigger toy. There's always going to be something else to accumulate. Uh, There's always going to be more issues, more problems, more stress in relationships. As long as there are human beings in your life, there will be stress from relationships. I can promise you. It's just a word of encouragement for you today. So there's always going to be a lack if we look to fill that lack with with the external around us, with the temporary of this world. But when we understand that true peace only comes through relationship with Jesus Christ, that true wholeness and completion can only come in relationship with Jesus Christ, then that is truly where we can find our peace. So let me put this verse back together. Um, We kind of dissected it word by word, but let me put it back together. In the New Living Translation, I love the way it, it lays it out. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. It says, for shoes, put on the peace. And when I say peace, think about it this way. It's the completion or the wholeness that comes from the good news. Again, the gospel is who Jesus is and what Jesus has done so that you will be fully prepared. Let me read this again. For shoes, put on the wholeness or completion that comes from who Jesus is and what Jesus does so that you will be fully prepared. The only way we can be in peace in our lives, the only way you can truly lay your head on your pillow at night and sleep deeply is knowing that Jesus is who he says he is and he does what he says he'll do. He is everything we lack and everything we need. Um, So when we know this, then we are at peace. So it says, again, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. General Norman Schwarzkopf, he led the um, U.S. forces in the uh, Gulf War, and he said this. He said, the more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war. And I love this statement because the truth is, for us as believers, too many times we bleed when it comes to conflict because we have not sweat enough during peace. We haven't prepared ourselves. We haven't gotten our hearts ready. We haven't looked ahead to what could be on the horizon. And as a result, when the battle comes our way, we are ill-prepared to face it. And as a result, it costs us more, it hurts more than it probably should have. You know, when it comes to our footwear, I'm no, no fashion diva in case you didn't know that. Is that news to anyone that I don't, I'm not concerned about fashion at all times? I will tell you, I'm wearing my, my dress Chuck Taylors for you today. Uh, they are my all black on black leather Chuck Taylors. So they're my, fa- they're my, um, oh, probably my fanciest of all my uh, Chuck ta- All-Stars. But uh, so I, this is what I wear. You know, if I'm wearing my, my black Chucks, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not full on fancy, but it's a little fancier than, uh, than normal. And so I dressed up for you guys today. But you can tell a lot about somebody's occasion based on what shoes they are wearing. Did you know that? Um, and there's different shoes you'd wear for different occasions. You don't wear the same shoes for everything you would do in life. Did you know that? Some of you do. You just have one pair of shoes. You wear them all the time. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not judging you. Um, but there's some shoes that you wouldn't wear to certain things. For instance, today in our, in our first service this morning, you know, it's snowing outside. And there's a man in our church that uh, he, he works at a bank in our community and he never dresses down. He usually always looks nicer than I do. And he walked in the church this morning and I looked at him and he was wearing snow boots and blue jeans. And I stopped him and I said, is this like one of the signs of the apocalypse? Is like the, the sun will be blotted out and the water will turn to blood. And like, what's next? Who knows? And he just laughed. And I said, I love your outfit because this is what we wear at Summit Church. So thank you for dressing down a little bit. 
They didn't do it for me. Do you know why he did it? Because if he wore his loafers in the snow, it would have ruined his loafers. So he said, I've got to wear something that's appropriate for my journey. And we have to understand the same thing. There's certain shoes that are appropriate for what you're doing. These shoes, they used to be some of my favorite. These are flip-flops, in case you couldn't identify them. Um, these are about the cheapest kind of shoes you could ever buy. I think you can get them for a dollar at Old Navy, maybe cheaper at Walmart, who knows. But these shoes are appropriate for certain, uh, certain outings. I can wear these to the beach. It's perfect because if you're walking on the sand at the beach, no problem. I can slip them on, slip them off. They're easy. They're cheap. They don't cost me very much. Um, but what I don't want to do is go hiking in these, right? This would be difficult on rough terrain, going over difficult surfaces, uh, uneven rocks, debris. This would be a bad idea. I would probably end up hurt from these shoes. I can't walk in these shoes in my yard sometimes. If the yard is wet, I will slip because there's no traction. It is just basically a piece of rubber. And this thing, have you ever had the moment where this pulls through and then it's like, oh, and you feel you're grieving over the dollar you spent on the flip-flops? It's like, no, maybe I can fix them. It's a dollar for flip-flops, right? <laughs> How cheap are we? Uh, and so I do the same thing, but they are what they are. They're not made for certain purposes. If you wear them in the right way, they're fine. But they're not for everything. Now, this is probably my favorite pair of shoes. These are from my personal collection. This is, uh, this is the slipper, the house shoe, as some people would call it. And these shoes are my favorite. Um, these are what I keep here at the office. So I wear like my fancy Chuck Taylors to the church in the morning. And then I will slip these on as if I'm Mr. Rogers. And I will put them on. <laughs> and I will stay comfortable all day long. And they're furry and they're warm. And so if it's cold like it is now, I will put these shoes on. I will be comfy and I will be warm. But this is the thing. You don't want to wear these outside uh, because they weren't made for outside. So if I wore them outside, they'd get wet and they'd get soaked and I might ruin them. So I only wear them in the house. I only wear them in the church. They're comfy. They're warm. And that's why they're made. You don't want to go to Walmart in these, even though some of you do. Stop it. Stop it. And put on real clothes. You don't wear your pajamas to Walmart, Okay. <laughs> That's a side note, by the way. <laughs> but again, these shoes are great in the right circumstance, in the right environment. But in the wrong environment, they're all wrong. It's not going to do its job. My feet are going to be wet. It's going to be wrong. Now, these are Air Force-issued boots. I got these not because I was in the Air Force, but a few years ago, in 2013, uh, we were on staff at a church in Oklahoma City. And in 2013, a band of tornadoes ripped through southern Oklahoma City through a town called Moore. And Moore, Oklahoma was decimated by these tornadoes. And our church had about two dozen families who lost their homes, lost everything in the tornadoes. And as a response, we've sent hundreds of people to go and help clean up debris and help um, sort through just the stuff and the mess because people were just trying to find any bits and pieces of their lives they could in this literally their houses were leveled and there'd be three feet of rubble and we would just start digging through stuff to try to find help them piece back together their lives in some cases and, and so we went down the very first day a whole group of us and we were about to go into the recovery zone and as just before we went in there was a barrier and some people were stopping us and I was dressed in work clothes and again, believe me, even though I'm your pastor, I do have work clothes, I promise. And so I was uh, going into this area with work gloves and all this heavy clothes, and the guy stopped me and goes, no, no, I'm sorry, you can't wear those shoes. And I was wearing some, some tennis shoes, and I go, well, how come? And he said, no, because of all the debris, those are not appropriate. You're going to get in there, and you're going to end up getting hurt. You're going to step on metal or something. And there's so much junk, you just don't know what's in there. And I go, well, I don't have any other shoes. And he said, that's okay, we've got a station over here. And so uh, the local Air Force Base, uh, Tinker Air Force Base, had donated 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pairs of boots for people that were going to go in and do the work. And so uh, I went over and I put these boots on. I strapped them up and I laced them up tight and I've never felt manlier than when I put these boots on. <laughs> my, my beard grew a half inch that day. Just as soon as I, it just grew, it was more masculine. But these boots, um, they're supportive. They go all the way up. They cover your ankle. They protect your foot. They're thick, thick-soled. It didn't matter what I stepped on. It was not going to penetrate the sole of this, this boot. It's got a steel toe and a steel heel. It just offers protection. It, this boot allowed me to go places that other shoes would not allow me to go. And what I had to understand is for the environment I'm going into, for what I want to accomplish, for the purposes that I have, I've got to have the right shoes on. And the problem with so many of us is we have put the wrong shoes on our feet to fight the battle, and then we wonder why we're losing. We put the shoe on that says, hey, I just want to be comfortable in my home. I don't want to leave the house. I want to be warm and cozy. And as long as I'm comfortable, that's all I need. But God isn't calling us to be warm and comfortable and cozy. He's calling us to fight a battle. We go, I just want something easy. I just want something simple. I just want something that's not going to cost me much. And that's why I'm just, I just want to put this on. But the problem is you can't go into battle and flip-flops. we got to have the right shoes. Some of us will put on dress shoes because we go, well, I want to look good. I want people to think that I'm something. But those shoes are the wrong shoes to go into battle. We have to have the right shoes for the right environment. And what I'm telling you today is many of us have put on the wrong shoes. And as a result, we can't do what God's calling us to do. We can't accomplish the things that God's calling us to accomplish because we've got the wrong footwear. And what God's calling us to do today is strap on the shoes of peace that allow us to do what he's calling us to do. It prepares us, and the question would be, what does it prepare us to do? Well, it prepares us to go. It prepares us to take action. There's a Latin phrase that I'm going to butcher when I say this, but it's civis uh, pacem parabellum, and it means if you want peace, prepare for war. If you want to be at peace, be ready for the next battle that's coming your way. If you really want to be at peace in the midst of a battle, know that you're prepared for it. Because God is calling us to go. God is calling us to face the enemy. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. He says, go. He's commanded us. This is why we send people all over the globe to do missions. This is why uh, we, we ask you to go because we send and go. We want you to be a part of this because God has commanded us to go. And we value going around the world. But I want to tell you this, we value you going across the street as well. So just because you can't go around the world doesn't mean there's not someone for you to reach. Because I promise you, you've got a neighbor between the person across the street on either side of you or the neighbor behind you that doesn't know Jesus. And you've got an opportunity to take the gospel, to go, whether it's around the world or across the street, and take the gospel to them. Take the good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus did to the people. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So it's basically saying, how are people supposed to hear if we just cross our fingers and hope it works out? We have to go. We have to send. We have to get in front of people and preach the gospel. And you're like, Mel, I'm not a preacher. I'm not called to be a preacher. That's okay. Um, St. Francis of Assisi said, preach wherever you go, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. And what he's saying is let your life preach the gospel. Let your life preach a sermon that's so loud that people can't ignore it. 
That's what I was talking about earlier with the aunt that said, man, my niece, her life has been changed. I'm sure her niece didn't sit down and preach the gospel to her, but her, her life was evidence of the gospel that was work. And what you need to know is if your coworkers don't know you're a Christian, that might be a problem. If you've never told them and they can't tell by your lifestyle that you're a Christian, there might be an issue. Your lifestyle should show people, should be evidence of the gospel that's at work in your life. So go into all the world and preach. So even if you don't preach the way I preach on a weekend up here, what we're talking about is just telling people who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. You don't have to know all the theology and all the doctrine. All you have to do is tell, Jesus, tell people who Jesus is to you and what he's done in your life. That's preaching the gospel. That's sharing the good news with the people you come into contact with. So the second thing I want you to know today, first is we have to be prepared to go and take action. This is part of, part of having the shoes on your feet. Was you don't have to put the shoes on when the action comes. You are ready to act in that moment. The second thing is this. I would tell you, you have to be ready to stand, prepared to stand. You know, the truth is, many of you are here today, and you're dealing with circumstances or situations, things that seem overwhelming to you, and you think, I don't know if I can take another day of this. I don't know if I can take one more hour of this. I don't know if anything else comes, I don't know if I can take it, and you feel lucky just to be standing you know, in the environment like it is outside with the snow and ice, uh, you understand how important it is to have good footing. And what we see in Scripture is that Jesus calls himself the cornerstone, that he is the, the secure foundation that we can build a house on. Um, we see in Psalm 40, the psalmist said that, that God raised us up out of the miry pit, out of the slimy clay, and he put our feet upon the rock. And so what we know is our foundation is secure. So if you were a Roman soldier, you would stand, uh, find a good secure footing, and you'd stand in that place. You didn't want to find some place that could be washed out. You wanted to find a secure location. So they would find a secure location. And then what they would do is they would, they would plant their feet. They would dig in to that place. They would secure themselves and anchor themselves because they had the spikes on their shoes that would help them have the traction to stand in that place. And what we see, warfare in ancient days is very different than what we see today. What we think of today is, you know, we send in some special forces, we send in some drone attacks, some, you know, some pilots fly over, drop some bombs, and that's what we think of. Um, in ancient times, warfare was much more intimate than that. It was much closer. Uh, one of the things we see, and you might have seen this in movies like Braveheart or movies like that, where they would line up with their shields or with their spears, and then the other army would just come run at them, basically. And you think, why would you do that? Well, this is how they attacked many times. Literally, uh, when an offensive army was facing a defensive position, they would throw themselves at the defensive position. And their goal was to knock them off their mark, to push them back, for them to lose their footing, lose their position, so that they would break ranks. And ultimately, uh, the line would be destroyed. And so they would throw themselves at the defensive position over and over and over. So the Roman soldiers knew if we find the right ground and we can anchor ourselves in place, we're going to hold this ground no matter what they throw at us. And what we see is so important. If you look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Therefore, take up the whole army of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. 
And I would tell you today, some of you, you've been trying to hold on, but it's been so hard. Uh, You're praying for a situation, maybe with your kids, and it feels hopeless, and you feel like you can't hold on any longer. You've been praying for a marriage, and you've been trying to stand firm with your feet planted, and you're just not sure you're going to be able to hold. Maybe the enemy of your soul is whispering to you, talking to you about the failures and the things of your past, and you're ready to give in. I'm telling you, what we see today is we find the right ground, and that's Christ Jesus, and then we find the right footing that's only found in the peace of God. The peace of God is found in knowing who Christ is, who he is, and what he did. And that's where we can anchor ourselves. Because we, we can't say, I'm good enough to do this, but what we say is, uh, I'm lacking in my life, I don't have enough in my life, I'm not talented enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough of anything, but Jesus, you are enough. And I'm going to bind that to my life. I'm going to secure that to myself. And I'm going to anchor myself in this fact that, Jesus, you are enough. I lack nothing because I have you, Christ. So I'm going to anchor myself in this position. And the enemy's going to come at me. And there's going to be waves from the enemy. It's going to be an onslaught from the enemy. But at the end of the day, I will not move because I'm anchored in this place, in Christ Jesus, in the peace of Christ. I will not move. There's a passage you probably heard before. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, and it says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love this passage. Um, and what it's really saying is that the peace of God, knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus did, that's what brings real peace to our lives. That peace will guard our hearts and minds in, in him. Uh, and, and the word for guard here, it means it in a military, it's a military term. And what it means is literally there's a garrison of soldiers guarding our hearts and minds when we find our peace in Christ Jesus. That that our thoughts are different, what we allow in our heart is different because of the peace that we apply to our lives. That we simply say, "I'm, I'm binding this peace to my feet. I'm anchoring myself in this and I'm not moving from this. No matter what the enemy says, no matter what he throws against me, I'm anchored here and I am not moving So you think you need peace today just because you have conflict. I'm telling you, you need peace today because the enemy is out to get you. And you want to anchor yourself and say, I'm not moving from this spot. See, God's given you access to that in Christ Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you, if you're here and you've never surrendered your life to him, that's the only way you can have real peace. It's not through achievement. It's not through acclaim. None of those things will do it. It's only through Christ Jesus. And I'm going to give you that opportunity. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. Dear God, we're so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that you're with us today. I pray today that you'd open up our eyes to who you are. God, I pray for those that are here that don't know you and aren't in a relationship with you. God, let today be the day that we'd surrender our lives, that we would experience true peace in you, peace that can't be known in this world, can't be found in this world. And God, I pray that the peace that passes all understanding that is only found in you would rest in our hearts, God, that it would guard our hearts and minds as we surrender our lives to you. So I pray, number one, for those that don't know you today. Let them make you Lord of their lives. Lord, number two, I pray for those that are believers that are here today, that, Lord, they struggle with finding peace in their lives. God, I pray 
that, Lord, they would not find any external source of peace. Lord, they would find it solely in you alone. God, I pray that the believers that are here, as they feel overwhelmed by the attacks of the enemy, God, let them anchor themselves in who you are and what you've done. And I pray that that is where we would find our peace. So God, have your way among us today. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask, if you're here today and you say to me, Mel, I'm not really serving God, I'm not really in relationship with Christ, but I know I need to be. I'm not experiencing peace in my life, and I recognize the only way I will is by making Jesus Lord of my life. And so today, I want to I want to surrender my life to him. I'm not going to embarrass you or, or make you come forward. I want to pray with you right where you're at. So if you're, if you're bold enough, would you respond and say, yeah, Mel, that's me today. I want to know the peace of Christ. I want to surrender my life to him. Would you raise your hand real high where I can see it, and then you can put it down. Is there any that say, that's me? Pray for me. Yeah, I see you. Thank you, guys. You can put your hands down. Praise God. Who else would say, that's me? Mel, pray for me. Today's my day. I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to make him Lord of my life. I want to know the peace that you were talking about. I'd like every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, to pray this prayer with me. So say this out loud. Say this boldly. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving your life to pay the price for my sins. From this day forward, my life is yours. Help me live a life full of peace that only comes from you. And help me never go back to my old ways or my old life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's grab God a round of applause. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, you're a new creation. That's what the Word of God tells us. You're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And we want to help you continue to grow in your faith. So if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, I would love for you to take just a moment. And there's a card in the seat back in front of you. On one side of the card it says, need prayer. On the other side it says, salvation. Fill out the side of the card that says salvation and then take it over to our information center. When we finish here in just a moment, over at the info center, they're going to give you a free Bible just as a gift and a way for us to just help you on your journey. And we want to give you some resources as well. We've got things like starting point for new believers or people that are coming back to their faith. Um, that's a great way for you to begin to grow and take the next step in your journey. We've got some other resources we want to give you as well. So please take advantage of that. If you're watching online, no matter where you may be or how you're joining us, I just want you to know we're proud of you and we're excited for you. If you made that decision today, we want to help you take the next step. So you can simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. And when you do that, we're going to respond back to you. We'll help you take the next step in your faith journey. If you're here in the area, we'll get you connected here at Summit Church. If you're somewhere throughout the United States or even the world, we're going to help you find a life-giving church in your area that you can connect with and begin to grow in your faith. Here's what's going to happen now. The worship team's going to lead us in one more song. We're going to sing together. We're going to worship God together. And while we're doing that, our prayer team's going to come up on either side of the stage and they'll be available for prayer. And if you're watching online and you need prayer, you can email us your prayer need at prayer at summitpa.church and we're going to respond back to you. We're going to pray with you and agree with you. But if you're here and you'd like prayer before you leave today, find one of our prayer team members. Let them agree with you. And then in just a moment, when we're done singing this final song, Pastor Todd Stanley will dismiss us and close us out. I do want to remind you, 1230 is when we're planning to start our members meeting. So if you're sticking around for that, just make sure you're back in the room for that. Guys, I tell you often, I hope you know it. I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. Stand to your feet. Let's worship one more time before we go.